Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasulihil Kareem. Amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And we seek blessings upon the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, continuing where we left off, <clears throat> we finished Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We spoke about the ba uh, first, and then from there, Ism Allah. The idea basically being that the first that Islam is all about connections or relationships. And the first relationship is your relationship with Allah. <clears throat> and the first step in having a relationship with Allah is to have uh, to get to know who is Allah. And then to get to know who is Allah, the first step is the first name, which is the name Allah. And then the second steps are the names Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And that's essentially what we've done so far. And let me... And, this are you all excited that Ramadan's beginning in a couple hours? Well, I don't know if anyone's on not here in Chicago. Okay. So having said that, does anyone have any questions about anything either related to what we've directly covered in the last couple of days or anything else? No questions. Blank stares. Okay. So let me switch over to All right, and once again, let me know if you can see the one note on the screen. Yes, perfect. Okay, so having gone through Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, I also want to redraw your attention to this point we made on the first day, that here you have the Islamic sciences that trace themselves back to the Prophet in the Quran, peace be upon him, that traces itself back to Al-Fatiha, which traces itself to the Basmalah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, which traces itself to, back to the B. So we've now covered the B, meaning the more thoroughly I appreciate and internalize the B, the more I know the essence of everything above. And then now we've gone through Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, a.k.a. the Basmalah, the more I know the essence of everything above that, as though the B is the summary of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is the summary of Al-Fatiha, and then Al-Fatiha is a summary of everything else in the primary sources of Prophet and the Quran, which then are a summary of everything we find in the Islamic sciences. Okay, so now going further. From Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, uh, what's the eye that comes next? Anybody? Yeah, fail. Okay, so we have Alhamdulillah. And then Rabbil Alameen. Right, sounds kind of familiar, just nod, pretend, you know, make me feel like you know Islam. Okay, good. All right, so let's make a different color just because we spared no expense. We did that the wrong way. Red. Okay, good. So <clears throat> first step again is just to get into the basic definitions. Here we have hamd to Allah, Rabb, and then al-alameen. These are all the big words. And so there's two parts, Alhamdulillah and Rabbil Alameen. Hamd has two parts to it. One is Thana, which is praise. So if you know the, uh, the or the name Sana, same thing. And the other is Shukr, gratitude. Shukr is not that common a name, is it? 
Like, do you know people named Sugar? No. Do you know anybody named Shakar? You know, like sugar. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So two pack. That was that was deep. And <laughs> Nadia Nadia revealed her combination of Western suburban Virginia accent. Two pack. Hi. Okay. Tupac. Anyway, so anyway, so praise, praise and gratitude. Yeah. So these are the 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 two halves, so to speak, or the two components of Hamd. So first question. Um, give me a scenario, and this is the easier one. Give me a scenario when we would express gratitude. That's a nice, easy question. Not necessarily even to Allah, any sort of gratitude. When someone gives you something. Yeah, absolutely. Assuming it's something you want, something you like. Yeah. Uh, Bilal, you're about to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, like, someone gives you food. Yeah, perfect. You're not fasting today, are you? You guys fast in Indiana like this early? No. Okay. Yeah. But mentally preparing though. Okay, very nice. I've been staring at a photo, literally no exaggeration. While students have been talking to me for like the past hour, I've been staring at photos of Ruavza, you know, and imagining myself fasting and then drinking Ruavza. Let's do a quick poll. Sorry to get off the subject. Ruavza with water, Ruavza with milk. Who votes for Ruavza with water? Who votes for Rubsa with milk? Okay, good. Very good. No comparison. Okay. So that would be a scenario in which, oh, Jewel saying, I don't know what Rubsa is, but I like milk. Okay, fair enough. You will have to be, uh, you have to go through the desification process to learn what is Rubsa. If you, if you look it up here, I'll just write it for you. You can look it up on your own time. I like going through the Wikipedia page because it mentions that it was made in a laboratory. And it's part of like this whole philosophy of Greek medicine. So, and so, yeah. So gratitude is when someone does something for us. Uh, <clears throat> now think of a deeper level of gratitude is when you're not only grateful for what someone has done for you. So for example, Allah has done something for you. You're grateful for what Allah has done for one of your loved ones. So in the next month, Parents are going to either be happy or sad because your kids are going to get admissions or not into whatever school. And so if they get into such and such school, parents will be very, very grateful for what has happened for their child, their loved one. A deeper level of gratitude than that. So one is for yourself. One is for your loved one. And we'll include your friends. Another might be for your neighbor. Yeah. There's a lot of discourse, and the six o'clock six o'clock class is going to see this pretty soon. A lot of discourse about the obligations you have to your neighbor, regardless of whether they're the Muslim or not. Okay. A deeper level than that is to be grateful for something that happens that Allah does something for a stranger. An example of that, a simple example, is every couple of years there's always a news story about some people stuck, like in a cave or in a well, and then they're stuck for days, weeks, and then when we find out that they get out, we feel really, really happy and grateful for them, even though we're never going to know them, right? That would be gratitude for a stranger. And an even deeper level than that would be to be grateful for something that Allah does for an enemy, an adversary. And that would be even deeper gratitude. So think of gratitude as simple levels for yourself, for your loved ones, 
for perhaps the neighbor and uh, other acquaintances, for strangers, and then for the enemy. I noticed my hand just went up because I was doing this. Okay. Praise. When would you ex express praise, either for Allah or for someone? What would be an example of something like that? Anyone? Praising yep. them well done. So like in the scenario of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just in terms of everything that you see, like his creation? Sure. So the praise in this context may not be something done for someone but something done yeah and then in the case uh the the mentioning when you want them to continue you might give praise as reinforcement absolutely something daisy parents don't necessarily know how to do but the point here or at least of a certain generation and i keep forgetting what daisy parent and my kids forget that i'm their parent too but the point here is that uh, uh that something is done something is accomplished so that is praise okay so from there we might praise Allah for his creation we might praise Allah for the astonishing level of his creation but what would be the primary reason we praise Allah what do you think Y'all have the silence of people who are fasting and yet you're not fasting. I think different people have different reasons for praising, right? I mean, okay. um, it could be for gratefulness. It could be just recognizing something and you, you're in, wow. Like, if I, I, I don't know. Everybody has a different different moment, different sure, sure. source of praise. It's recognizing, recognizing the ultimate, you know, creator. So, mentor. yeah, related to, to what Nadia is mentioning, we praise Allah just because he is Allah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a way to think about this is that if Allah did nothing, which then becomes a paradox because that means we don't exist, but if Allah did nothing, he's still worthy of all praise just because he is Allah. That he is such that everything automatically gives praise to him. Okay. So one point is we give, we give praise because of what someone has done. In the case of Allah, prior to all of that, we praise Allah just because he is Allah. And then now a third point to consider, everything, everyone is in a constant state of praise of Allah, even if they don't believe in Allah, even if they're disobeying Allah. How? How is shaitan in a constant state of praise of Allah? How is a kafir, you know, let's say, irredeemable in terms of rejection of faith or irredeemable in terms of hypocrisy irredeemable in terms of polytheism whatever the case may be like that idyllic archetype how would they be in a praise of Allah isn't their existence like a praise of Allah how um because forgot if it was this class or the other class we were talking about how like our mere existence is um a like all it gives uh, importance or um mm -hmm. our, our, our being is significant mm -hmm. um just created. so just by the fact of our being in existence mm -hmm. 
So at one level, the fact of the, the that everyone has been created is a, is something of the praise of Allah. And another way, another framing of this is the fact that Allah <clears throat> will still give complete freedom to people to completely disobey with the promise that there is a day of judgment. That is also part of the praise of Allah, that he is that patient. And then on top of that, everyone is still fulfilling, is still a step in the divine plan of how everything operates. Right? So one way to think about it is, what is the devil's goal? Anybody, what is the devil's goal? To get us to disobey. So in action, the manifestation of the devil's goal is to get us to turn away from Allah. But what is the devil's actual goal? The devil's actual goal is to show Allah that he is wrong for picking humans to be his khalifa. And so how to, to take mankind and humanity and take it down. But in so doing that, the devil in the long term is still sealing his own fate because he'll succeed for a while, turning people away from Allah, turning people away from Allah. And then there's going to be many of those people who are turned away from Allah, either because of bad choices or because of life circumstances that bounce back and start turning back towards Allah. <clears throat> but in the greater narrative of humanity, Overall, humanity keeps turning further and further and further and further away from Allah. But then we're taught that humanity, by and large, is going to be turning back to Allah overall. And then not long after that, it's going to be the day of judgment. And so the devil keeps pushing his agenda, which is fundamentally going to turn back on him. And so he's literally fulfilling Allah's plan. So everything... Part of the praise worthiness of Allah is that everything is fulfilling Allah's plan. All right. So this is praise and gratitude. So all praise and gratitude then are due to Allah. Hamd. And then one of the, the, the fascinating things, alaikum. well, man, little man's really big. Assalamualaikum, Amir, how are you doing? How old are you now? Well, mashallah. You're almost the same age as I am, just add a, a one after. Um, it's loud, so we will mute. Okay. All right. So one of the fun aspects in terms of the puzzle pieces, we say Hamd is due to Allah. And then what is the name of his prophet? It is Muhammad the one on whom Hamd is taking place. And then the variations, a Sabrina in class today, her husband, one of the, the titles of the Prophet, peace be upon him, is also Mahmoud, the one on whom praise is, is also being given, and so forth and so on. Okay, that's the first part, Rabbil Alameen. Now, yesterday... I said one of your homework assignments, if you choose to accept it, is to start working on memorizing the names of Allah. And I'm sure all of you have been working on that diligently. You have at least two memorized names, Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Okay. Now, what I'm also going to add, if you don't do this already, 
we said that one of the best things to have on your tongue is the name of Allah. And slightly better than that is to express praise of Allah. So especially if on your tongue you commonly have bad words, like the F word, feminist, or other bad words. You know, I hear the joke. Anyway, so, so the point here, I just like doing this class just so I can watch Donna's expressions. You know, and there's other people in the off camera who are probably like a stuff for Allah. But anyway, so the point here is better than saying the name of Allah, that is the best utterance, is that you make it a praise of Allah. So the best utterance is Allah, and then best for you, however, is to make it a praise of Allah. If you have the habit of saying bad words, try to shift from the bad words, and this will take effort to various praises of Allah. So the most common praises of Allah would be, of course, Alhamdulillah. You know all of these. Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. And then, la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. What's funny about this last one? La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Funny about the last one is that some parents only say it when uh, they're super upset. So a lot of kids think this is a curse. But uh, uh, so literal translation of Alhamdulillah is praise and gratitude are due to Allah. Literal translation of Subhanallah. We often translate as glory be to Allah, but essentially it's saying that if there whatever is at the highest level of reality, that is where Allah is. That's what Subhanallah is. It's an awkward translation in English, thus we say glory be to Allah. Allahu Akbar, you know, Allah is the greatest. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is essentially that there is no no power, no strength, except with Allah. No power, no strength, except with Allah. The context, you can say any of these at any time, but the common context is alhamdulillah, is an expression of everything, but especially good news. Subhanallah is in the is an expression of surprise. Allahu Akbar generally for everything, but especially further surprise. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is surprise over bad news, and this is why. Desi parents, Arab parents will often say it, you know, that, uh, and then kids will often think of a different generation that it's a curse. So the point I'm suggesting in terms of transformation of the tongue is to shift, if you can, from bad words to these terms. Part of the satisfaction of many bad words is that they're jagged quality, right? And so that is something you have to replace with this, but literally... If you put subhanallah on your tongue in replacement of bad words, it can be done. Yeah. La ilaha illallah also works very well, too. Yeah. If you can make that your practice. Saying these in general also fulfill um, the, the essential purpose for why we are often saying some of these bad words. They're often exclamations. Right.
And then from there, a point to consider is that if you can't control your tongue, you can't control anything. This is what my undergrads hear from me all day long. And there I'm usually speaking in the context of gossip. And so the easiest treatment for the heart is by control of the tongue. And the easiest way to control the tongue for some people is silence. But for most people who will still have the need to speak, it's to replace the words. Keep the sentiment, but replace the word. Whatever it is you're going to say. Uh, Kibra, you're about to say something. No, I thought about this funny incident that happened at the Michelle and I used to work at Dowerhage in Virginia. Mm. Like, you know, the trouble of like getting uh, a lot of young people to come to the masjid and whatnot. So it was a battle. And the, the masjid was so conservative. Like there was this like a um, young sister was walking up. And as soon as he seen her, he was like, stop fiddle. He just turned around and ran. And like, did he just see a ghost or like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. That <laughs> reminds me of it. Like, you yeah. know, it's just the fact that sometimes like, it, it, uh, yeah, you're talking about replacing terminologies and using them. But again, you have generations that have also abused them, right? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, what does inshallah mean? No, but I'm too afraid yeah. to tell you no, right? Yeah. So like, well, when you're mentioning like the most sacred name is Allah, like, you know, you understand this, but then you live among a lot of Middle Eastern or, you know, like Arabs and like, well, Allah, bro, it's like, okay, yeah, everything's I don't Allah, know how yeah. to take this serious or do I just... Oh, we got a whole genre of Allah bros over here. Yeah, so yeah. And then... uh Oh, yeah, that reminds me of a completely inappropriate joke, but Ramadan hasn't started yet. So no, no, please go ahead. So I'll let you imagine whatever you're imagining. Beautiful woman walks by. Um, Sheikh number one, Sheikh number two, Sheikh number three, Sheikh number one looks and says, Astaghfirullah, because of the way she's dressed, right? And then Sheikh number two, astounded, says, Subhanallah. Sheikh number three is smiling says inshallah anyway so yeah so let's continue with the quran so those different generations of shifts yeah yeah exactly different generations yeah the last one was a celebrity preacher anyway so rabbil alameen is uh the second half of all this rab this is uh a longer translation um who who, who mentioned it yesterday in the six o'clock class donny did you or sadia i think sadia you did but it's the one who takes you from immaturity to maturity according to your unique design. The one who takes you from immaturity to maturity according to your unique design. Now, this is commonly translated as Lord, which is still correct. The word Rabb is very frequently used for the authority. Rabb al-Bayt, you know, um, is, a, is, is a common usage. What this allows is this emphasis on this very, very close relationship that Allah has with you. So if we're speaking at the level of a person, your rabb is taking you through your whole life cycle from birth through death. Okay? If we're speaking of you at a molecular level, Allah is taking every single molecule, every single unique molecule 
from start to finish. Okay. If we're speaking of galaxies, same thing. That Allah has an intimate relationship guiding everything. Now, the point to consider for most of us in this class, yeah, that's what Allah is. That's what we think of when we think of Allah. You would be surprised how uncommon this view is across traditions, you know, beyond Islam and such. Uh, but here, yeah, we're literally saying Allah Ta'ala guides everything through, through every phase intimately from start to finish. Now, when we're speaking of Allah as Allah or as Rabb of all the worlds, so this is the common translation. First, a fun, simple question. Uh, raise your hand if you believe there is intelligent life, not including jinns, intelligent life on other planets. What do you think? Zainab says yes. Nadia says yes. Dania says yes. Bilal probably yes. wants to say it, but he's like, I do not have sufficient evidence. Jewel says yes. Uh, Aisha, Aisha R says yes. Okay, Sadia says yes. All right. Tabish says yes. Anyone else? All right. Hella says yes. Anyone want to say, uh, Yusuf says yes. Almost all of you say yes. Does anyone want to say no? There is not intelligent life, not including jinns, on any other planet, any other body beyond Earth. Hold on. You're saying... Yes, there is. A, no, there isn't. I'm at, so first question was, yes, there is. Second question is, no, there is not. Gabriel, what do you think? Uh, no. It's, well, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Anyone, no one else wants to say no? That's so fun. That's so interesting. Okay. Let's make this even more fun. Wait, I hear a voice. Where's this voice coming from? That's me. Do you want to say no? I'm, I'm curious now what you think. Uh, I think it's, it's fun either way. I don't really, you know, I think... Uh, I think it would be fun that there is. I think it would be fun that there's only life on like three other planets in the entire universe. Think of how much more interesting that is. So, or none. I think all of them are astoundingly fun to explore. I especially like the second one. Maybe there's life on just like four other planets in the trillions of planets in the entire universe. So, now to make this even more fun, waiting for Elon to figure it out. Nice. And so, yeah, keep waiting. So... If we go to Surat Al-Anbiya, the prophets, uh, how did that happen? This is the right surah, yeah? yeah? okay, good. Okay, so go all the way almost to the end of this surah, around Ayah 109, no, 106. Ah, 107, right in between. Okay, very, very famous ayah. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ so if there is life on other planets, the prophet, peace be upon him, is also a mercy to them too. So when we're speaking of Allah sending prophets and messengers, we default to humans. Maybe he's been sending prophets and messengers to other planets as well. Maybe. But if there is life on other planets, he is also the last for all of them, and he is also the ultimate rahma for all of them as well. That I think is fun to think about. Lil alamin, same word. Nevertheless, in the context of this surah, when commentators are speaking of Allah as the Rabb of alamin, it's more of a modern thing to translate this as Lord of all the worlds. 
and then we start thinking of galaxies and everything else. When they're speaking of Lord of all the worlds, historically, one is all the dimensions of reality. The dimension of Allah, the dimension of angels, the dimension of jinns, the seen realm, which is the dimension of humans, or the realms of knowledge. And that concept of knowledge works two ways. One, just all the different types and realms of knowledge, but that something exists means Allah knows it, which means by extension, all the different realms that Allah has knowledge of, which is all of his creation. So he has knowledge of all the, all the realms. That's what we commonly uh, find in older translations. It seems more of a modern thing to translate this as all the different worlds. Does this imply that there's life on other planets? What do you think? I would say yes. Okay. Anyone else? What do you think? Tabish. Oh, the Tabish and Sadia. Yeah, I think yes, too. Yeah. Okay, Sadia says, Tabish, what do you think? Um, it, it may not be like humans. It may be unique to that. It might planet. be undergrads, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if I can, if I can add to it, um, yeah. I would like to specifically maybe use the stars as an example. Explain. Uh, so there's an ayah um, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes a qasam on the places of the stars, which okay. means. Um, so when I started to look at that ayah, this is years back. I, um, one of uh, my old sheikhs started to explain to me that a lot of the stars were alive. Uh, and now there's only very uh, only their places are still lighting mm -hmm. uh, but there are some stars that are still alive so I would consider that a living thing regardless okay. um, so that's my example of it okay on that note <clears throat> okay let me uh, remind me that I have to ask you a question uh, about uh, Tabish you were you were going to say something um I guess to answer the question directly, you were asking, I do feel like there will be uh, like a life form or a cognizant form um, okay. in other realms. I think in, in the Quran, it's already kind of indicated in a way, at least from where I'm looking at it, where the angels actually rhetorically ask Allah, like you're going to choose this creation to be your vice mm -hmm. Uh So that shows me one thing. I also just want to perhaps uh, look at the word mean for a second and perhaps uh, just bring that up that i always found it kind of interesting that they teach us the etymological structuring and how there's so much relativity amongst them but then the translations in contemporary times would always say uh lord of all creation but then it's like why do you teach ayin la meme to being something of knowledge or an action mm -hmm. and i think it was imam wallace muhammad who was the first one i came across he had said that like he he was the one who I first came across that said like it means the Lord of the systems of all knowledge and I was like it makes a lot more sense too mm -hmm. because people think differently creation thinks differently so yeah that would be akin to when we're speaking of all the dimensions of knowledge yeah absolutely uh, Yusuf uh, so in the context of stars being living uh, this would also then apply to all creation so would you regard the earth as living yes mm -hmm. would you regard the mountains as living Yes. Yeah, we have passages in the Quran that seem to indicate such, right? The hard part is that it seems also in the context of the earth and the mountains that they did have choice. Now, what does that mean in terms of Allah's conversation with them? Yeah, Allah knows best. So your point about stars does work uh, with, with that as well. Okay, so bringing this back, 
to Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, that Allah, all praise and gratitude are due to Allah. He is the nurturer, the, oh, I forgot to say that, the common way that then I translate Rabb is nourisher. And this is just my own personal choice. Uh, I like this more than Lord, uh, but Lord is, is still correct. Uh, that Allah is the Rabb of all the worlds. Now, add this to what we have had so far. So we have uh, Bismillah. If we make that, if we end Bismillah with a colon, and then we say he is Ar-Rahman, he is Ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, And he is Rabbil Alameen. If this is what we're being taught about Allah so far, describe Allah. Anyone based on all this? Now that he must speak, loving here, I think loving works very well. What else? So the greatest. We, so greatest is there. Uh, I don't know how much greatest is captured by these four. Yeah. And say oh, you're yeah. if you're restricting you to the four most yeah. kind, I would say then. So I'd say kind is definitely up there. Absolutely. Compassionate is definitely up there. Caretaker is also definitely, definitely up there, right? But all these are positives. Right? They're overwhelming positives. One thing that you will find throughout the entire Quran is positive and negative are almost always balanced. Meaning every time you see a mention of hell, before or after it, you're going to see a mention of heaven. And these are things that I have actually personally went through and, and, and checked. Every time there's a mention of day, you're going to see a mention of night. Okay. Meaning I literally counted same number of mentions of days as mentions of night, same number of mentions of hell, mentions of heaven. That was before the internet. And so then... <clears throat> But there is one, actually, one myth. People send around these these bogus posts saying, look at the miraculousness of the Quran. It says the word day and night each 365 days. Uh, number one, that's wrong. And number two, that's wrong also because that's not how long the Islamic year is anyway. Islamic year is not 365 days. Anyway, side point. So, so the point here being that everything gets balanced in the Quran except Allah. The balance in describing Allah is always overwhelmingly kindness. Zainab. Um, speaking of like bogus posts, one thing that I did see going around um, on Instagram for like a quick second was that um, in terms of mentions in the Quran, that one thing that was kind of unbalanced in the positive way was that in regards to God talking about punishment, he talks more about his mercy. Is mm -hmm. that true or is that also balanced? If we're speaking of heaven and hell, that's balanced. If we're speaking of Allah's mercy versus his wrath, for every mention of his wrath, there's probably about 500 mentions of his mercy. Okay, yeah, yeah it is in regards to his wrath and his mercy. Yeah, the wrath you can barely find in the Quran. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mercy, however, rahma. Yeah, I'm literally saying the ratio is about 500 to 1. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so now an exercise that we're not going to do today, but to start thinking about is imagine how different the experience of Surah Al-Fatiha would be if we change some of these attributes. So if hypothetically we change Rahman and Rahim to Al-Jabbar and Al-Qahar, I'm not going to define them for you yet. This is an exercise we're going to do pretty soon. Uh, how significantly that will change the experience, especially with Al-Fatiha being the flashlight for the entire Quran, right? In that chart, you have the B, you have the Basmala, you have Al-Fatiha. Al-Fatiha as the opener is literally the flashlight through, look, through which to look at all of Islam. And what we're seeing is overwhelming majority of reference to Allah's kindness. Because you know what the very next line is, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim again. So tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to touch on Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Oh no, Friday, we have no class on Thursdays. We're going to touch on Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, but we'll, more of our focus is going to be on Maliki Yomuddin. And then go. we're going to go through this exercise, inshallah. Okay, any questions about anything? Use of your hand. I don't know if it's still up from, from before or if it's newly up. Uh, probably from before. Okay, okay inshallah. Alrighty. Oh, did someone just raise their hand? And I just knocked it down. Okay. No other questions, reflections about anything? Um, we we hear about um, on the day of judgment, even the stones and anything in the universe can give like um, shahada against you or for you, okay. right? So that means that they are conscious. They can tell God what was happening to them. And, you know, in relation to our actions. So, and consciousness means life because life essentially is conscious, right? There has to be some consciousness in that. So I sometimes think that, you know, when we ask that question, if is there consciousness and what consciousness is, I guess, all things in the universe are conscious. So I will say so I just maybe. wanna I just wanna reconcile the two. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that life automatically means consciousness, uh, but supporting your point about stones and all those things, part of the the stories attributed to the prophet, peace be upon him, was that when he was younger, rocks would say salam to him. So, and then what is in the hadith witnessed by other people is that the prophet, peace be upon him, used to lean against this one tree when he's given the Jummah Khutbah, and then they were restructuring the masjid, so they're going to move him away to more of a, what we regard today as a normal pulpit. The tree started crying, meaning the companions are narrating that they're witnessing the tree crying, and the tree is moaning. And the prophet, peace be upon him, was saying, it's moaning because I will not be leaning on it anymore. So there is something there, uh, which we might put in the realm of the miraculous, but similar to your point that uh, perhaps everything may have some sort of consciousness, even in this side. But to make the point of you're making about the Day of Judgment, it goes a step further. So for example, on the Day of Judgment, Allah is going to judge you according to your relationships. He's going to ask the relationship, you know, why were you broken? And then because of that, if you're broken without a justified reason, Allah is going to break his relationship with you. 
So Allah is going to be speaking to the relationship itself. So when you have a bond with someone, that is actually a thing. Okay. So yeah. Wow. On the other side, uh, it's uh, all that we regard as metaphor in this world is it seems to be very much literal on that side. Depends on the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Any other thoughts, questions, reflections? Hold on. Can you emphasize a little bit more when it comes to relationship question? You're saying the bond, like, you know, when you say, you know, when we say, I love you for the sake of Allah's fans, how that, right? Which means what? I don't actually like you. That's what, you know, I love you for the sake of Allah. It means I don't like you. You know, inshallah, I will do this for you. No, I'm just too cowardly to say no. Okay, continue. But like, in 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 that, I think that relationship is more more. Um, I don't know. It has a uh, it has a little bit more divine into into it. I guess I don't in know. Like, so okay, so think about when we spoke about the levels of gratitude. That basic level of gratitude is to be. Sorry, Siri. No thanks. The basic level of gratitude. Oh, Siri just said it's okay, Omar. Okay, the basic level of gratitude is to be grateful for what happens to you, right? And then we said deeper yeah. is your loved ones, deeper is your friends, acquaintances, deeper is strangers, deeper is adversaries and enemies. Yeah, right. So, likewise, for relationships, there'll be different depths of relationships. So, the goal to get to is to value all creation because it is creation of Allah. Mm. Uh, that's a very deep level because we're also talking about rocks yeah and and at the very least to have that uh, in the realm of family and then more than that you know your neighbors more than that the ummah more than that humanity in general and then more than that life living things so think about think about it in the context of what is okay. So what is the favorite question of just about every South Asian Muslim regarding Islam? There's one answer to this. Yeah. Is my meat zabiha? That's basically the number oh. one question for 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 all of Desi Islam, right? But it's not out of concern for the treatment of the animal, right? They could care less how the animal is treated. Yeah. And they don't even care that, in theory, this method of slaughter is the least painful, is the most humane. It's just to make sure, all right, you know, is my food somewhat blessed? I don't really care. You know, I'm going to buy the cheapest meat anyway, right? But in theory, Zabiha is about humane treatment of the animal. And built into that is the entire life cycle of the animal. So Zabiha is not just the moment of slaughter. It's that whole day where you're preparing the animal for the process of slaughter. And then feeding the animal properly, treating the animal properly. And so so the point basically being that when we reduce Islam just to a set of rules, you remove the life of everything. And the goal is to basically, you're really enjoying yourselves here. the, The goal is to have value for all of creation. Yeah. which itself is a high level of faith and shalom. Yeah. No, I was laughing because when you mentioned the meat part, because like in Dearborn, Michigan, there there are, you know, you always say halal foods being served here in, in the nightclubs and in, in, in our, and whatnot. And it's just like... You, okay, those are the funnest <laughs> conversations. Your steak is not halal, but your Miller Lite is. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, 
but but I guess like it does make sense because you, you when you're part of the realm like when you're part of the entire world like you you play a divine role right like as a Muslim like if I'm, if I'm walking around the sidewalk like there's I need to be conscious or if I'm you know even if I'm taking a hike I'm being conscious of like the even the nature is is a gift I have a have a relationship with my nature for sake yes. of Allah right uh, the decad, the reflections, the the and whatnot. So it does make sense. But I was just reflecting on, you know, the our relationships. We say, you know, you're encouraged to say you love someone for sake of Allah, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's it. There are hadiths that said when you, you know, you, you should mention to your brother and sister that you love them for sake of Allah. Gabriel, I love you for the sake of Allah. Oh, I love you too. Yeah. That's it. That's a mic drop, guys. No, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing, I'm seeing how long we keep a straight face here. No. Exactly. Uh, but the point is, the way we corrupt that is the same way we corrupt, inshallah, right? And so, right. Yeah. right, right, yeah. Okay. And yet, but yeah, that is, but the point is correct, right? Is to have this love and appreciation for all of creation because it is all creation of Allah, which is easier said than done. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions, reflections about anything? So those of you who are new to my classes, now you've seen my style over the last few days. I apologize, but hopefully some learning is taking place too. Okay. We will stop here. We will reconvene on Friday. So no class on Thursdays, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubi lake. May Allah tell reward you all, inshallah. And we will continue in 48 hours, inshallah. And we'll be deep in Ramadan. So Ramadan Mubarak to all of you. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you.